The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks, Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Richard, Darren. So I've got a, you know, kind of a universal one here today. I think one that probably a lot of people think about. And it's, you know, whether material things matter in any way on the spiritual path. Um, you know, I think it can be quite a confusing topic in some way for, for people who are on the spiritual path, mainly yeah. because, you know, the conventional wisdom is that, well, in the past at least, is to, is to completely detach yourself from all material things, you know, material desires as well, and um, to not engage with them at all. But, you know, certainly in today's world, in light of the, the, the cosmic teachings we've been giving, what we learn in the nine freedoms, I mean, is that really right now? And was it ever? Good question, and I'm very glad you asked that. I had no idea what you were going to ask, <laughs> and I'm glad you asked that because we all we do say at the beginning of the show or our announcer, True. Lisa Rossa says, yeah, you know, where, where materialism counts for nothing, mm. and what we're talking about there is materialism, not right. material things. Yeah, materialism. That's is the, the distinction. It, yes, okay, is yeah. the belief okay. really yeah. that the only thing that exists, the only thing that's real, is material things. Yeah, and that counts for nothing for us because obviously there's far more to it than that. And as a matter of fact, it's brilliantly explained by the the great intelligence who gave the nine freedoms <laughs> that the physical world is a reflection of the psychic world. Sometimes you'll hear in in some theosophical play places and other mystical places that yeah. the aura, the psychic world is a reflection of the physical world. Mm. Actually, he corrects that. It's, the, it's in his wonderful transmission, Meditation for This Age. Mm. The physical world is the reflection. I see. But it's not nothing. Now, if you go back, this is one of my favorite topics, as a matter of fact. If you go way back into the ancient Hindu yogic yeah. philosophy, and even something since, they had the word maya and they called it a delusion. Yeah. And, you know, one can be deluded about it. A materialist is deluded into thinking that that's all there is. That's a delusion. Mm. But material things are, I think, a much, much better way is the Mars Sector 6 way of putting it. It's a reflection. It's not really a delusion, but it's only a reflection. Yes, it's putting it in its yeah. right place, so actually. So does it, it, coming to your question, do material things matter in spiritual things and in the spiritual world, yeah. absolutely they do matter. Simple answer to a simple question, they matter, yes. Yeah, and that's quite a surprising answer in a way if you just sort of like, you know, kind of, you just see it on face value. Yeah, but, a lot but, of people say they don't. Yeah, yeah. But, but as you say, um, well, let's get into that because let's obviously, the, yeah, what we're saying is the dogma of materialism, which, um, which is the belief as you describe that, you know, that there's nothing more to life. There's no than, God, exactly. there's no aura, there is no psychic ability, there's no intuition, there's no higher powers. That's a killer. Right. And, and patently false. And, I mean, you know because that. it yeah. stops your progress. Yeah. And the idea even that material things are the most important things in life is also wrong. Right. They certainly aren't. Right. But do they matter? Absolutely, they do matter. Yeah. And I guess where, where kind of like the subtlety comes in and, and where I'd like to explore on the show is sort of, you know, 
what we're talking about is achieving material things as an end in and of themselves is obviously where it goes wrong. But but taking care of material needs, which are necessary in order to you know for you to live and ultimately to facilitate the spiritual work that you may be doing. There's a proviso, if I may jump oh, in. Oh yeah. Unless you're going to use those material things in service. Right. Right. And material service isn't the most important service that can be given at the moment, and that's mainly because there's a lot of people who are much more willing to give material service than spiritual service. Mm. But it can be an enabler of spiritual service. I mean, if you just take the Ethereum side as an yeah. example, and you take the missions that we do, yeah. um, and I'll just name check them. Some people, forgive me, won't be familiar with these, but yeah. Operation Sunbeam, Operation mm. Prayer Power, Operation Space Power, they require funding. Yeah. They don't make any money at all. Yeah. They wouldn't happen without that funding. Yeah. So it's, it's that important. It's, it's a key element. The funding alone wouldn't make it happen. I mean, it's one thing you can't do with money. You can't buy spiritual dedication. Yeah. Uh, you can't find a spiritually dedicated person just with money. Mm -hmm. uh, so it has its limits. Yeah. That that person, that spiritually dedicated person, has to find that inner flame and to, to dedicate them. You can't buy that. Yeah. But it, it has its place. It's not the main thing. But it's a vital thing. Yeah, I can see that it's you know given where we live and how it works, it's just necessary to make. Just, I mean, possible. just the obvious things. Yeah. I mean, physical health matters. Yes. To, yeah. You know, without it, we are very limited in what yeah. we can do for others. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, living and being able to live in a, in an area which is perhaps more expensive, like some people choose to live in yeah. London, like yeah. you do. Yeah. It, it'd be much cheaper for you to go and live in you know, certain other parts of the UK, much cheaper. Yeah. But you couldn't do what you do if you did. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and in that way, it's sort of like, it's a, it's a necessary thing t in order to make that. Mm. And by that, I mean, you couldn't do what you do in spiritual service if the, you did. Yes, That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, totally. Mm. There, are, there are other elements where this sort of like impacts on the, on the, you know, on the way that we think about the way we live our life and, you know, of the way that we, you know, looking at society around us as well and trying to, sort of orient our own compass mm. to determine like, you know, that's not right, that is right, et cetera. I mean, I was asked the other day um, by someone like, okay, so, you know, someone's become very wealthy. Um, let's ignore, you know, let's just put aside for the moment how they might have done that. But do they have a right to spend that money however they wish? And I thought that was, you know, I, I, you know, I can share what I thought, but I mean, I just no, share what you thought. Well, I just thought, you know, of course they do, but given the state Legally of the world, yeah, of course, given the state of the world at Man's the moment, law. Yeah, yeah, given the state of the world at the moment, and you know, the nature of the suffering is that, you know, what kind of person are you? If yeah, you, morally they don't, yeah. and karmically it would yeah. be very difficult for them. Yeah, and this, it's very hard. Somebody who who dies wealthy, pending how, of course, I'm going to put a proviso again there, how they leave their will, mm. to be blunt, or their mm. legacy, uh, is very unlikely to go to a higher realm, very, very high realm. Yeah. yeah. Possibly not even a high realm at all. I see, yeah. Um, because it does matter, because of what they could do. Yes. Now, on the plus side, and I was talking to somebody actually only yesterday about this, um, if you... This is a person who has made massive sacrifices but had wealth. He inherited wealth, actually, and he made some money, but he's used it brilliantly. 
okay. this person. Yeah. And he is actually quite poor now. He hasn't indulged himself at all. You know, some people will give money, but they'll also indulge themselves and they'll have all kinds of luxuries and totally. as well. Yes. And they have the right, whether it's right. Yes, is that's, a, that's it, the nice way to put it. a like different that. point. Yeah, yeah. But this person hasn't. Now, you know, he, I believe, this person, will place himself in very, very good stead. Mm. And you could even be a person, depending, again, who you are, where the most useful thing you could do would uh, be to give money. But as I told him, mm. and, and to, even to make money, to give it towards a spiritual cause, yes, yeah. where it's going to be used in a spiritual way. But as I told him, you know, it's, a lot of people say, well, if I had money, I'd do this, I had do, I'd do that, I'd do what you did. It means nothing, really. It means very little. It's a nice thought. We don't know whether they really would if they were in that position mm -hmm. for a start. Right. And also, they're not in that position. Yes. They haven't put themselves into that karmic position. Exactly. Whereas this person did yeah. and used it. As I say, he's, he's not exactly poor now, but he's got very little. Yeah. He's got enough for him and, and his dependents to live okay, fine. Um, but he, he's really gone, gone the extra mile. You know, I always remind people, because they don't, a lot of people just don't know this bit of history, that whatever people think about Christianity, one of its great proponents was St. Paul. And I know some mm -hmm. people don't like him mm -hmm. because of yeah. sexist reasons that they perceive around his writings, yeah. or whatever it might be. But whatever you think, let's just look at what he actually did, which was after his conversion, Damascus, in conversion, yeah. he worked relentlessly and at great cost to himself and at risk to himself, yes. traveling the world, spreading, uh, possibly with the exception of St. Peter, I don't know this, but possibly Christianity far and wide more than anyone, to all communities, even though he was from a very strict um, Orthodox Jewish background himself, he went out of his way to reach peoples, other peoples, which some early Christians didn't like, by the way. And mm. it's said, for example, that the brother of Jesus, who was called James, not yeah. the Saint James, but well, not, not the disciple James, but right. another James, didn't like it, so they say. But he did it. He went out, he traveled around into hostile environments. But what, the point I want to make here, while he did it, he was working. A lot of people don't know that. Mm. He didn't have funding. He was a tent maker. Mm. He had to go to a place where he could make tents and then give out the, yes, the message. I see. I, I've always found, you know... So that, practical as well. Yeah, yeah. In, in some of the Eastern traditions where the sannyasin, uh, the chela, was focused on their own development and their own enlightenment and ultimately their own nirvana, if they got it right and went far enough, that was their aim. And then they would have a begging bowl. They'd be encouraged to do that mm, mm, mm. in order to... And they'd live off what they could beg for. Yeah, I can see a rationale, the idea being it's really a blessing upon the community that gives them the food they need in their begging bowl. I can see that concept. But I, I, I find it unsatisfactory myself. I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone. That's just me. That though. approach. That yeah. approach. Yeah. Okay. I think the stand on your own two feet yeah. with material things, yeah. which certainly Dr. George King did, and he, you know, right from the beginning, he, one of the first yeah. things he had to do when he started out as primary terrestrial mental channel was to get rid of or dispose of his material assets and be virtually penniless. And he had some things uh, at the time that he'd earned and worked for. And he had to go uh, uh, with very little money 
on a very tight budget, particularly then he went to America. But he, he did it, and, and he wasn't very that interested in material things, actually. It was very hard to get him to spend money on himself, to, to buy clothes, to you know, go on a nice holiday. We didn't like holidays much anyway. Mm -hmm. Didn't really believe in them much. <laughs> um, but, you know, he wasn't an adult, you know, he had some equipment of different sure. kinds. He liked his, his stereo in those days and things. But yeah. he wasn't a big spender at all right. on himself and he wasn't very interested in material things. Yeah. But point is, though, I'm making, he did stand on his own two feet. And, you know, if people make donations to a great cause, a worthy cause... Freely, I don't mean like allegedly some so-called, some people, some organisations that are said to be cults, uh, which go out and try and get their people to give them three, you know, six-figure sums in order to learn the next sure. initiation. Sure. Uh, I'm not talking about that at all. And those, th that was one particular organisation that's massive money maker. I haven't yeah. looked into it, but it's said to be, you know, worth billions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who freely make donations, material donations. It's very, very good for their karma mm. to do that. They shouldn't be, you know, you know, it shouldn't be demanded of them. They shouldn't be required of them. But it's certainly very good for them. Yeah, I can see that. And actually, there's, there's other aspects of that too, isn't there? Because if you have put yourself in a position where you have the money, either you've inherited or you've made it or whatever, mm -hmm. and then you've chosen to use it in that way, yeah. um, essentially to help others, to help the world, you know, yeah. the world in some way. I mean, in that way, you are exhibiting almost like a mastery over this system to some extent, yeah. rather than being a slave of this system, mm -hmm. where most people are you know, um, chasing material things for greater pleasure or, or in some way, um, and they're making it an end in and off themselves, and they're you know they're sort of stuck in the system, so mm -hmm. to speak. But here we have someone who's who's earned it or received it, but is then giving it out again freely, as you describe, in mm -hmm. order to help another person. Not kind of deluded by mm -hmm. the dogma of this materialism. You do, and you get the anti-money approach in mm. some spiritual movements, sort of an anti-money approach. So yeah. there's this biblical quote, it's harder for a rich man to get to heaven than a camel to walk through the eye of oh, yeah. I think yes. is, is the yeah, quote. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true in essence, by the way, if, as I said earlier, that rich man uh, doesn't leave their wealth yeah. to a great cause, mm -hmm. they just die rich and leave it, you know, for people that they may love, but who don't particularly need that much money anyway, yeah. whereas they could have saved numerous lives with it, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's true. But what we don't look at is the positive. Let's look yeah. at the positive. If you are a rich person uh, who uses your money, and the person I mentioned I was talking to yesterday has used it in their life, which mm -hmm. is even better, mm -hmm. not just in their will, but in their life. Yes, totally. And yeah. they are now relatively, to them, relatively poor, actually. Totally. And that's a phrase he used to me yesterday. He's got enough, but he's relatively poor compared to mm. what he did have. Yeah. Um, he'll be very well-placed, indeed, um, as will um, his wife, who was in 100% agreement with everything he did yeah. in this regard. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I'm not, one shouldn't be silly. I mean, they are looked after, they're fine, they've yeah. got what they need, yes. yeah. but that's all they've yeah. got. Yeah. And the, they will be well-placed. So just as someone could go to a, a low realm if they misuse money or don't use money, which mm. is a misuse as well. Mm. Don't use it spiritually. Yes, totally, yeah, yeah. If you do use it well, you must go up. 
after your passing. I would say, that's an opinion of mine, but I would say you must surely go to a higher realm than you would otherwise have gone to. Yeah. I'd be very confident. Just, that. It's almost just logical, isn't yeah. it, that that would be the case. Yeah. I think there's some other you know, interesting elements of this as well, which is that ultimately, when you think about it, materialism is a dead end anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's not even like, what are you really giving up? You know? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, people have done numerous uh, research into this and surveys mm-hmm. and, and found that rich people aren't necessarily more happy. Yeah. And, you, you, you know, rich people, very super, I'm talking super rich people, mm. get terribly distressed by minutiae, materialistic minutiae, like if there's a crease in their bedding, yeah. that the maid didn't, you know, had a crease in their sheet or there's a tiny speck of dust on a banister. This can be terribly upsetting to some of them. Well, this isn't balance. Yeah, you don't want, to, you don't want <laughs> yeah. dust on your banister. <laughs> so ridiculous. But it's ridiculous, but it's yeah. apparently true. And mm. people who've worked uh, with the super rich yeah. will tell incredible stories about mm. how upset and distressed and this is a result of attachment. And in that way, the I old see. teachings were completely correct. Yes, and the correct, idea yeah. behind the big begging bowl, by the way, was yeah. correct. Mm. Gives the individual with the begging bowl detachment from material things. It's a mm. very brave step. Mm. I'm not taking away from that. Those sannyasins, they, they forewent um, you know, family life. They forewent in, in, you know, marriage. I don't think that was completely necessary, had mm-hmm. it been a spiritual marriage, but they did. Mm. Uh, they forewent material things, and all they had was their begging bowl and their little uh, room or whatever they had to do their meditation in, and they lived very modestly. And this meant they were detached from those things. This is the concept, and they could move to, to spiritual things. All that is true. I just think there's something lacking that, in my own humble opinion, be better to stand on your own two feet, as some monasteries have done in history, yeah. of course. Yeah. Of course, some of them were wealth centers, actually, in mm. medieval days, but mm. that's going the other way. But, yeah. you know, they would grow their own crops and feed themselves and yeah. do whatever was necess- necessary materially. Um, and, of course, you need material things if you're going to provide welfare for others. Yes. And if you're going to run, as, as we do, yes. non-profit-making, yes. money-losing lo- missions for yeah. the benefit of the world. Yeah. Well, I think that brings out the, the aspect, which is that, you know, it's not just about detachment, it's about mastery. So, yeah. you know, to have immense resources, but to be completely detached from, you know, the delusion of what that is and to be using it in, you know, a noble way, as we mm. described, you yeah. know, to help the world and all etc that's really i think you know where you would want to be it's like mm. it's not that you you just like you separate yourself from it almost like i can't trust myself with that i'm you know i'm detaching from that mm. or you know the, the the most generous reading would be that you're detached from that and don't need it and mm. you've you know risen above it as you described but uh, it wouldn't it be better if you could amass it for a great purpose yeah i mean uh, i'll give yeah. i can give a couple of examples yeah. actually too in terms of the dissemination of truth mm. now i've written a number of books which have been published by publishers mm-hmm. um, and that's a great thing really if you can do it because it will reach they have the access yeah. to reach more people sure. and one yeah. of my books became an international bestseller and yeah. so forth that's all good yeah. but if you have a particular core teaching to deliver it's not always good because on the whole 
publishers will have a remit, and you can't blame them. They are a commercial operation, sure. and they will have editors, and they will want something, particularly if it's not fiction, it's fact-based book. I don't know, actually, about fiction. It might apply there. Okay. It might not. Unless you're a really super big author, okay, yeah. they will want to sort of say, well, you, I don't want too many mentions of Dr. George King. Mm. That's been said to me. Mm. In every book I've published outside, I don't know about every, but many of the books I've had published outside, there's been a remit. Um, other, actually, the UFOs and the extraterrestrial message, the last book I had published by an, uh, by an outside publisher, Seco Books, yeah. they didn't. They, they, they didn't interfere with one word of that book wow, at all. Okay. But on the whole, and by then I was a you know, best-selling author, yeah. but on the whole they will. Now, if you take a book like The King Who Came to Earth, yeah. the biography of Dr. George King, which is the most important book I've ever been involved in yeah. authoring, certainly not the best-selling by any manner of means, mm. but the most important, I think, because it was about Dr. King. Now, you couldn't get that book published without giving it a slant giving it, and removing a lot of the material in it, removing a lot of the, the, the pictures and the, and the true accounts of Dr. King that would satisfy, I think, an outside publisher yeah. at this time in our history. Yeah, got it. Um, how was that done? By donations. Mm -hmm. You know, some, and not all by rich people. Some of them were small amounts. Yeah. That book is a beautiful book. I'm just talking about not the writing of it, but that's a matter of anyone's opinion, but not mine. Yeah. That's up to them. But the way it's presented, it's presented in an unlimited way. It's a beautiful book with lovely photos and so forth, and all the material we wanted in it. It's quite a long book, mm -hmm. thoroughly indexed. This isn't, this isn't a commercial plug. I'm just saying, I mean, by the way, yeah. you know, I don't take any royalties at all, mm. and nor did my co-author Brian Kniep, and I don't take, I've never taken, and I would never take any royalties. Dr. King himself never took any royalties from, he didn't take any royalties from this book, The Nine Freedoms, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that were published by the Aetherius Society, or Aetherius Press, but it was a result of people giving money. Now, if all those people had been completely detached from money mm. and didn't care they about material things and therefore had nothing to offer, they just were going about their way with a begging bowl yeah. or the equivalent, that book wouldn't be published now. Exactly. It's a great example. Yeah, great example. Exactly. If they hadn't, if they hadn't done the work, put themselves in a position, yeah. we wouldn't have the resources to be able to do that. Put that. That's just out. one example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple of points I'd like to get into. Bef you know, before and before I leave that, I'll yeah. just go to a historical example, if I oh, may, yeah. which is the the music of Wagner. Mm -hmm. um, some of that, the later works, would not have been produced and performed uh, certainly in the way they were, without the sponsorship of a particular, I think, Bavarian prince. Oh, really? Who completely funded Wagner? He was a, he never had any money, Wagner, throughout most of his life, and then suddenly this Bavarian prince became obsessed with his music, and then he was able to produce what he wanted. Now, some of the stuff that he did at the end of his life, he'd been working on for decades, I believe. Wow. The ring cycle, I think. Uh, but it could, I, and I might have my, you know, my details wrong there, but I know that a lot of his later works, whether it was the ring cycle, I couldn't say, I think it was, but it's certainly some of his well-known works, like Parsifal and so on, were all done in that period where he was sponsored it was entirely a result of donation. And I mentioned in a previous show 
the example of Berlioz, yeah. I'm sorry to keep bringing up music, it's just my back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, had this dream, mm. but he couldn't write the music because he had to go to work. If he'd had more money or somebody had sponsored him, yeah. we'd have had that work, which he always said was just, he always regretted yeah. not the, the, this music given him, to him in a dream and he didn't write it down because he had to go to work. Yeah, it really makes the point putting those two examples mm. side by side, isn't mm. it? Because in the second case, we've lost something. We've all yeah. lost something, actually, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. By him not being in a position yeah. to be able to, to, to write that down. Yeah. There, there was a couple, just going back to my point a moment ago, the couple of things I just wanted to bring in here, because I think they, you know, they're, they're sort of the psychological elements, I think, that, that affect people, which is that, you know, um, <clears throat> to be attached to material things uh, is almost you know, a very negative affirmation in terms of what it's telling yourself, yeah. that you are dependent on these outside aspects in order to be enough in some way. And, you know, the, you know, the, the things people buy in the house and the car, whatever, which are all kind of like making us feel better about ourselves. What is that, what is that saying about ourselves, that we are not enough without them? That we will never. It's know, a it's pathetic, a, in yeah. my opinion, <laughs> yeah. compensation. And another thing I've noticed is that rich, some of the, I don't know loads of rich people, but some very rich people don't think they're rich, you know. Mm. They, they've got a, maybe a yacht, but they don't have a plane. Mm. I think the, the, fi the final one there as well is that, you know, ultimately, if, if, we, if we have this concept of possession and we have the you know trying to accumulate you know a mass for ourselves but really as an end in and of itself uh, and for the you know the purchase of more and more things what is it really saying about our own degree of realization you know in terms of the fact that we are really all one and you know that we're taking from another aspect of ourselves but we don't see it that way you know it's and you know itself. the key and it's in here and it's in the seventh freedom transmutation exactly yeah it's not so much about detachment detachment's necessary as yeah. a process yeah certainly but ultimately it's about transmutation exactly. yeah. it's about transmuting the delusions of materialism yes. yeah and it's about transmute using money to transmute the basic aspects the selfish aspects yes. of the accumulation of wealth by giving it mm -hmm. and using it for a great cause because now we're in the path not of d transmigration which it's in the seventh freedom we yeah. talked about it many times yeah. which is kind of a detachment yes that's not enough even matter i'll never forget that statement and we found it when researching for the, a spiritual freedom show by dr king even a galaxy cannot go back to god as a galaxy has to transmute all the matter within it, and a galaxy, and I know we're going off here a lot, no, but I mean, doesn't even have to exist. Mm -hmm. It only, ex only exists to serve. It could be in divinity. Uh, it, it, it's agreeing to be a galaxy. Yeah. And, you know, the people who are looking for dark matter and dark energy and what they are, that's the first place they should l try to look, is the existence of the galaxy that's holding everything together within it. Mm-hmm. Um, as a living thing. That's where, we, again, the people who are looking at dark matter and dark energy, they're only looking at the material aspect. Science, on the whole, only looks at the material aspect. As we go into the new age, it'll have to look beyond the material aspect. And it's still a science. Yes. But it's a spiritual science. Exactly. I think what, you know, what you've highlighted there is, you know, that, that the, the principle that you've elucidated with the galaxy is exactly we should let that trickle down to our own lives and think about what that means. Yeah. And what that means in terms of, you know, transmuting all matter affects the way that we think about 
you know, this materialism versus material things that are necessary yeah. and using them in order to, to, to raise everything up in the way of service. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, it's Darren here. Thanks for tuning into the show. Now, if you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe for more wisdom from the Nine Freedoms. If you'd like to find out more about the Nine Freedoms, about Mars Sector 6 by Dr. George King, go to our website, that's ethereus.org. Richard and I love hearing from you, receiving your comments, your questions, on your spiritual experiences, and talking about them on the show. So do write to us, share them with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. See you next time.